to Populist. It's March 1st, 2021, and I'm Steve Hafer, and with me is the hope to my Crosby, Kirk Trutner. Welcome, everybody. This is episode 13. This is the list, top 10 list of best American cities to visit, best cities to visit in the United States. So this week, Steve, we're going traveling. We are. And I don't know about you. Yes, actually, I do know about you. We both like to travel. And uh, don't do it nearly enough, even though I will be getting on a plane in just uh, a couple of days. And I'm very excited about that. You know, the fun part about this, the researching on this one, I know we always talk about research, is not only revisiting some of the places that I've been. And it was it was kind of a double edged sword because there was part of it was like, oh, yeah, that was really cool. That was great. Can't wait to go do that again. And then there was, wait a minute, I missed this in that town. I got to go back. So it really was a nice kind of a remembrance and a look forward. Uh, it really does make me want to travel once we're able to do again. Yes. And uh, boy, free unlimited travel uh, within the country would be awesome. Uh, internationally would be even better. Um, looking forward to both. Yeah. So hopefully do it uh, sometime soon. But you know what? Let's um, let's do our little virtual travel today. Uh, you went first last time. So I will start us off this time. Who are some of your unlisted cities before we get into the list uh yes the new unlisted um three that i will not be on my list today will be the very popular cities of san diego california nashville tennessee and miami florida those will not be on my list today how about you and for me unlisted are uh a couple of historic cities or one historic city and that's boston one that's got very broad shoulders that's chicago and the third one is Orlando. I just stopped talking to you. That's why I'm wearing the Cubs cap right now. Yes, but only I can see it. Sucking up to teacher. I'm letting everybody know. For the listeners at home who can't see the inordinate amounts of suck up that is happening right now visually. Jeez. Uh, okay. Call the kids. Send them in for the radio. We got a show. So. We'll start off, and I think we already know that one of the lists will be thoughtful, intelligent, and accurate, and then there'll be Kirk's list. The fun list. The A-list. If Chicago's not in it, it can't be all that fun. Anywho, here we go. (laughs) You can only eat so many steaks. Anyway, here we go. Starting with... Number 10. My number 10 is... uh, trip way down to the deep south and that is the charming lovely picturesque romantic city of charleston south carolina uh founded in 1670 and also 1680 because they moved the darn town after 10 years and they decided they wanted a little different place on the river uh it's one of those towns that i think really depicts the old south gives you a feel from the old south without having to fight a big metropolis like atlanta or something like that uh, cobblestone streets, uh, the, the area itself was used as the, the backdrop for the movie, the notebook, gas lamps, antebellum houses, lots of plantations to visit, uh, a lot of museums. There's some swamp tours. There's, uh, wonderful gardens, um, uh, such as white point garden, Cypress gardens, uh, a lot of places to walk and see beautiful sunsets like the, uh, battery promenade. Uh, they, they have a French quarter similar to uh, new Orleans. Uh, horse-drawn carriage tours, the famous pineapple fountain, and Marion's, uh, many storied and beautiful churches, which just help add to the romance of this town. So if you want to see a little glimpse of the Old South with the way they were, uh, beautiful homes, uh, 
great shopping, wonderful restaurants. Charleston, South Carolina is a place to see. Excellent selection. And I will talk a little bit more about Charleston a little bit later on in my list. Ooh. But since you're talking right now, what is your number 10? Chicago? It's slightly south of Chicago. Go to Decatur and take a right for about 500 miles. <laughs> my number 10 uh, is a city that's got a lot of nicknames. Uh, it is the Crescent City. It is NOLA. Uh, my favorite, the city that care forgot. Uh, but there's a reason that the NFL brings the Super Bowl to this town as often as they do. And that town is New Orleans, Louisiana. It is everything you've heard. It's bossy, body, it's jazz and music oriented, but it's so much more. This is a very walkable town. It's incredibly visual. I mean, when you're walking through the French Quarter, you know, the feeling I had was I was constantly in the overflow queue for Pirates of the Caribbean. It's got that similar architecture and, and really just reflects that whole period of time. Uh, and the French Quarter itself is, is really kind of a microcosm of New Orleans. Uh, you've got history with Jackson Square and uh, the Cabildo Museum. With food, there's Cafe Du Monde, the French Market. Uh, drinks, there's the Carousel Bar. There's the original Pat O'Brien's. Uh, music, you've got Pat O'Brien's, House of Blues, One-Eyed Jacks. And, of course, there's Bourbon Street. And Bourbon Street is NC-17 and is 100% unapologetic about it. You can have open-air bars next to strip clubs all the way down the street. Uh, when I was in New Orleans, it was Gay Pride weekend, so the circus truly came to town. It was energetic. It was overflowing with with happy people wanting to have a great time. It is America's original party city. Um, don't take the kids, but if you do want to have a good time, head to my number 10, and that is New Orleans. Excellent choice, but way, way, way too low on that list there, little puppy. I will be talking about... Nola as well. Oh, so that's it. We're playing this one. Okay. This is going to be a fun <laughs> list, kids. Put your seatbelts on. Well, let's move on then. Number nine. My number nine is also a town that is known for lots of fun. Don't take the kids. And that is Sin City, or as it was originally known, Atomic City. And that is Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, the thing I love about this, it's only the 28th largest city. So it's not the biggest city in the U.S., but man, you wouldn't know it on any given weekend. It is packed, crowded, no matter if you go downtown or to the Strip. Uh, but it's the pulse that I love of this place. Uh, it is uh, a sensory overload, if you will, at some times. It's lights, 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 and it's amazing. Uh, I just love it. You don't get it anyplace else in the United States to that extent. It has something for everyone. It's got, obviously, con casinos and big shows with performer, uh, top performers, uh, literally has become the Cirque du Soleil mecca of the United States. There's like, what, seven different Cirque, eight different Cirque shows there right now. Uh, World-class shopping. Uh, you can try all sorts of different things that you might have to go around the world for, like gondola rides or see the Eiffel Tower. Um, there's museums, zip lining. Uh, it's, the, it's the home of the United States Air Force's Thunderbirds, their uh, air acrobatic demonstration team. Uh, you can get golf. You can now get the NFL and the NHL to go with all the championship fights and NASCAR races that they've had there before. The Strip, Fremont Street Experience, Stratosphere Hotel. It is just an amazing conglomerate of amazing sights, sounds, experiences, great food, great bars, great clubs. Like you said, don't bring the kids, but there is something for everybody. Las Vegas. Another great choice. And once again, far too down on the list. I will talk about Atomic City a little bit later on. Well, then who do you have for your number nine? Is it Chicago? 
Nope. Go to Decatur and take a U-turn and go about 2,000 miles to the southwest. Poor Decatur. It's getting really, really crowded. (laughs) Go to Ottumwa, Iowa and genuflect and leave. (laughs) My number nine is the perfect family vacation city. Beautiful weather almost year round. And that is San Diego, California. For the kids, you've got the San Diego Zoo, the world-class San Diego Zoo, the Wild Animal Park, Mission Bay, SeaWorld, Balboa Park, uh, the Old Town section, adults. You've got shopping in La Jolla. You've got an exploding craft beer scene. Uh, the Gas Lamp Quarter, where where Petco Park is, where the San Diego Padres play. World-class beaches, uh, Mission Beach, uh, Pacific uh, Beach, Coronado Beach. There's the Hotel Dell. Um, it's not flashy. It's not uh, the place that you're going to go for a bachelor party or a bachelorette party, but it is the perfect family vacation city. Uh, it's the complete antithesis of Vegas. Um, so San Diego is my number nine. Love the town. Go there often. In fact, when I uh, fly down to LA to work sometimes and I have a long weekend, I very commonly hop in the car and go down to San Diego to spend a couple of days. It's a, it's a great town and really close to making my list. But, uh, Alas, it did not. Let's move on. Number eight. My number eight is, yes, Chicago, the Windy City, the city of broad shoulders, the city that should be on everybody's top 10 U.S. cities to visit list. It is one of the most overlooked cities, Kirk. It's a constant astonishment. Maybe there's a reason it's overlooked so often. (laughs) Now, proceed. People from both coasts end up there and... They are astonished by how much culture there is, how much there is to do, uh, the wonderful sights, the sounds, the beauty of the city. Um, it uh, In spring and fall, like a lot of cities, it changes colors and becomes vibrant both both times. Yeah, it does get cold there, so you got to want it. But during most of the year, you have Lake Michigan, the Chicago River for wonderful things, uh, boat tours, including the world-renowned architectural tour that you can take uh, from the boat. Wrigley Field, home of the Cubs, need I say more. But if you want to see other things, you also have the White Sox, the Bears, the Bulls, the Blackhawks, plenty of sports to see. The famous Museum of Science and Industry, the Field Museum, Shedd Aquarium. These are world-class organizations. Uh, The Chicago Loop, Lincoln Park and Zoo, Magnificent Mile, the Water Tower, Frank Lloyd Wright, home and studio. So many things to do. Great food and it's not the steak that you go for. It's the deep dish pizza and don't let anybody tell you otherwise, but you can ride the elevated train to almost any place on town. It's fun. It's great. It's Chicago. As I said, Chicago barely missed my list. Um, all the things you said are absolutely accurate. Um, I just think the other 10 I've got on my list are a little bit more vibrant and enjoyable as, uh, a city to visit in the United States. So, uh, Good choice. Just didn't make my list and I will get cards and letters. Yeah. And you and I will be going there again sometime because I know you went there with two of our other friends and you had a great time, but you and I will go and you will see Chicago. Sounds like a plan. Who's your number eight? My number eight is uh, one of the towns you've already mentioned, and that is Charleston, South Carolina. I, everything that you had said previous, uh, is absolutely accurate. You know, one of the notes I had was at least one, you know, quote, charming Southern city needed to be on the list. And Charleston is the epitome of Southern charm. You've got the laid back low country vibe, uh, a really under the radar dining scene with many focused on the low country cuisine, a lot of seafood. Uh, And the city is just living history. 
uh, as you said, it dates back to the 1600s. Uh, much of the city's architecture dates to before the Civil War. Uh, I've got a soft spot in it in my heart for for Charleston, uh, as does my family, because according to uh, Ancestry.com, the Trutners first arrived in the United States in the 1870s at Charleston. So having a chance to visit Charleston and go to that port where our family landed was kind of a, an emotional moment sure. uh, for me as well. It's a beautiful town, uh, lots of great beaches. They, they take full advantage of the waterfront. Uh, to your point earlier, you know, again, it is just the epitome of Southern charm. It's a beautiful city. It's a relaxed city. Uh, it's a fun city and it's one that should be on everybody's list and it's on mine at number eight. Yeah, that is, uh, all truth be told, I have not been to Charleston yet. Uh, feel like I have. I've seen so much travel shows and video footage about it and pictures, and it's definitely very high in the bucket list of places that I want to go see. Nice choice. Nice choice. Let's move on. Number seven. My number seven is uh, another town that did not make your list. And if you were telling the people of Chicago to write letters to me, well, you should also tell these people from the town of Boston because they have a reputation for getting a little more upset than the people of Chicago do. And they're a little mad at you right now, Kirk. Boston's got to be on this list. It was founded in 1630. It's one of the most historic cities in the U.S. Uh, you're going to find old colonial buildings and locations, a ton of history feels more like a large town than as opposed to a big metropolis. But its place in history is unmistakable. Uh, you find homes and sites from the Revolutionary War uh, with all the sites you can visit and just soak it up. It's reason enough to visit uh, Freedom Hall or sorry, the Freedom Trail, Faneuil Hall, Boston Commons, uh, the North End, Beacon Hill, Bunker Hill, uh, all these famous, famous places from the history books come alive when you visit Boston. Uh, you can also see the JFK Museum along with the Coit Observatory and the Charles River, Castle Island where Fort Independence is. Tons of sports uh, there. Good, great college town with the University of Boston, Boston U, Harvard, all there. Great bars and restaurants. The Samuel Adams Brewery located there along with Trinity Church, the Boston Pops Orchestra. Tons of battlefields. Easy to travel to Cape Cod and Martha's Vineyard. It's a great place to go and spend a lot of time soak in the history, have the fun of what is modern Boston as well, and just enjoy yourself there on the East Coast in New England, Boston. Great choice. I And you're absolutely right about the, the history and the living history. Um, I've got another town a little bit higher on my list that also really focuses on history, especially United States history. And and I wanted to be a little bit more varied in the list. So that's one of the reasons I, I bumped Boston off the list, but uh, I think Boston's a great choice, and I enjoyed every second I went, uh, I spent there, including time at the original Cheers Bar. Yeah, right. And then Charleston, which we both talked about, also talk about tons of history too. I mean, it has elements from the Revolutionary War and the Civil War, obviously. So, uh, tons of history in Charleston. Sure. Well, and and that that was also well with Charleston too. It was also kind of up in the air. Is it Charleston or Savannah? You know, they're kind of the yin and yang of those of those quaint, charming southern towns. Charleston, I think, is a little lighter and brighter. I think uh, Savannah's got a little bit of a darker kind of past. So they're they're a perfect uh, match set when it comes to those kind of of small towns. Loved them both. Yeah, and that was the dilemma that I had also. But then I think because of Charleston's 
linchpin importance for both the Revolutionary and the Civil War, as opposed to Savannah, which was, you know, as General Grant <laughs> put it, you know, he just he passed it by because he thought it was too too pretty to bother. So. Just one more story about Savannah. When when I visited there, it's known as the town of squares. There's like every three blocks, there's another town square that usually has a statue or, or a, a war memorial of some kind in it. And so we pulled into town, we parked, walked around. And when we came back, somebody walked by and said, oh, you realize you parked at the square where they shot all the scenes of Forrest Gump on the bench in Forrest, uh, Forrest Gump. It was like, oh, wow, that was just very odd. And then you looked around again, went, Oh my God, this is it as well. So there, there's magic in both towns. Love them. What's your number seven? So my number seven, look at, at a certain point, there's music, there's country music, there's real country music. And then there's live country music. My number seven is Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I visited there about a month ago and I tell you, I heard more good music in the airport honky tonks in five minutes than I've heard in the last 12 months. Nashville is a town that is all about country music and you can get it in any way you want. Do you want history? You've got the, the country music hall of fame. If, if you want, you know, rowdy live performances, there is Broadway, lower Broadway, the Ryman auditorium. Um, if you want classic country, you've got the grand old Opry. If you want that in-person singer songwriter, find out the story behind the song. You've got the bluebird cafe, cafe and the tin roof. Um, uh, Nashville is just a, a, a town that is, it's kind of like, you know, what do they say about licorice? You either love licorice or you hate licorice. But if you like licorice, you really like licorice. If you like country music, you're really going to like Nashville, Tennessee. It's more than just country. I mean, there's great whiskey distilleries. There's great dining. There's great social. It's a, it's a great place to visit as well as live. Uh, the people are truly friendly. Uh, I've enjoyed every visit that I've had to Nashville. Uh, I can't wait to go back. Uh so if you get a chance, uh, again, Nashville, Tennessee is is a terrific visit for a weekend or even a long week, and it's my number seven. Yeah, it's a great town. As uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, just didn't quite make the list, um, and no no particular reason. Uh, I think if there was a tiebreaker, for me personally, I just found more longevity of a longer vacation uh, in some of these other choices than I did in Nashville. But went back there, as you know, I even looked for homes back there one, once upon a time in my life. Um, and uh, Old Hickory Lake, amazing lake uh, right there near the Grand Old Opry. Uh, fun time. And that's a good night to be had, bouncing around from honky-tonk to honky-tonk in a given night. That's a good time. And... Just so you know, I played by the rules this time around because I was going to split this one between two cities. But all, all I will say is, uh, if it's not Nashville, it's Memphis for blues and everything I said about Nashville. And Elvis. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but you know what? I would, uh, I think I would err or lean toward Nashville also. But anyway. Number six. My number six is the very famous city of Honolulu, Hawaii, on the main island of Oahu. It's uh, the capital of our 50th state, known for its beaches, palm trees, sun, and the spirit of aloha. Um, it's where I would recommend anybody goes to Hawaii that they at least go for the first couple days of their vacation before they try going to other islands. It's a great indoctrination to Hawaii. Honolulu is a big city, so you still have lots of people and traffic, and there's some places that are more touristy traps than others, but it is a great way to discover Hawaii by seeing 
Waikiki Cage, the postcard you always see with a diamond head sitting there at the end of the road, kind of like the Sentinel looking over the beaches and the hotels, um, the international marketplace, uh, luau's, surfing, outrigger canoes, the whole picture postcard Hawaiian experience is right there for you at Waikiki. But it's when you venture out a little bit past the Dole uh, Pineapple Plantation over to the North Shore with Turtle Bay and Pipeline and the town of Haleiwa and exploring both the east and west sides where Oahu uh, becomes fantastic. And that's because Honolulu is the hub of your experience that you can go out and visit those places very easy. Uh, wonderful, sh- wonderful beaches there on the North Shore. Better nightlife than on most of the other islands, which tend to get a little sleepy. So if you're looking for that, Honolulu is your choice. And of course, no visit would be complete unless you go see Pearl Harbor, the Arizona Memorial, the Battleship Missouri, the Submarine Museum, the Museum of the War in the Pacific. And overall, it, the harbor is just a stirring tribute to those men and women who died in service of our country at the beginning of World War II. It is a must-see when you go to Honolulu. I think it's an outstanding choice, and I'm going to speak a little bit more about it in just a couple of minutes. (laughs) What is your number six? My number six is one of the other cities you've already mentioned, uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. It used to be called the Adult Disneyland. Uh, If that's the case, back when our parents used to go, it only had one land, and that was debauchery land. Now, if you're going to go to Vegas for a three-day, two-night trip, there's dining land, there's entertainment land, there's experiences land, as well as gambling and drinking lands. Uh, You can now go to Vegas and not set foot in a casino and still have a world-class time. You listed a lot of the reasons uh, before, uh, you know, I, I, you can dive into dining a little bit more. Some of the chefs that have been lured to town over the past 20 years include Michael Minish, Roy Choi, uh, Food Network stars like Giada De Laurentiis, Bobby Flay, the mayor of Flavatown, Guy Fieri, um, different venues uh, like Rouse and Bouchon and even Spago have, have opened up uh, branch or satellite venues there as well. Uh, but the hotels have done the smart thing and they've made it more family friendly or more well-rounded you mentioned the shows but if you go to the bellagio there's there's the 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 water fountain show you get to watch there's the art gallery world-class art gallery that they have at the bellagio and the stratosphere there's the observation deck or the rides at the top of the stratosphere side note we'll never ride either one of those rides yes i'm a i'm a scaredy cat uh the cirque shows magic shows residencies headliners as well as the the typical cabaret kind of rat pack acts that are there so they've really become varied in that aspect of entertainment and it's also a lot of the the other things you can do as you mentioned the fremont street experience the zip line uh hoover dam is only a couple of hours away the grand canyon is only a couple of hours away via helicopter there's the neon museum a lot of different things to do in vegas it's not just a a a one track road in and out of vegas anymore there's a lot of things to do it makes it the perfect adult destination again i don't know that you can go for a week but for that three-day two-night trip it's a perfect place to go so vegas is my number six yeah and if if people haven't been to the neon museum that's uh it's kind of a little hidden hidden gem of uh, vegas definitely worth seeing um yeah i think those those hotels, they they bailed out of that family that family friendly thing a while ago. They definitely were trying to make that, uh, but then I think they basically said, you know, we are who we are, and then that's when they started the whole campaign. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, and they just said, you know, yeah, debauchery land. I like that. Was that an Grant, e-ticket? I, I didn't say Vegas was family friendly. I just said more family <laughs> friendly. All right, moving on. 
number five. My number five is your number 10. And that is the big easy, the city of new Orleans. Uh, you've mentioned a lot of the stuff. It is such a great place to go to. So fun. It is, it's got something for everybody. And yes, most of us are going there for the great food, um, from Creole, Cajun food, French food, uh, I highly recommend the gumbo shop, which is a couple blocks off of bourbon street. Uh, it's amazing. Um, the beignets there at, uh, at uh, cafe de demand, as you mentioned, but it's also the other things, the quirky things, the voodoo shops, the mask and hat stores, um, tons of jazz, obviously street performers also antebella mansions, uh, plantations like live Oak, uh, or, uh, like Oak alley. Uh, fantastic. A world, world, world-class World War II museum there. Uh, there's a voodoo museum. You can have access to swamp tours and see gators. They have cemetery tours, ghost tours, tons of sports. The Mississippi River by itself, getting a chance to experience a, uh, a riverboat. Uh, and then the food, as we said. Gumbo, jambalaya, polar sandwiches, crawfish, oysters, ituve. It's it's a eater's paradise. And then there's plenty of drinks to go with it. Yes, including the famous hurricane. But I love it would go for a weekend at any time of any suggestion that people make and uh, you should go. It's Nola number five. I love new Orleans. I had a really good time there. I was there for work. Uh, I just, you know, I had the evenings free walk the French quarter left and right. Uh, a couple nights at cafe du monde, uh, a couple drinks along bourbon street. Um, I kind of did a cursory visit to new Orleans, but I'd love to go back. It was, it was really, really enjoyable, but leave the kids at home. Definitely. <laughs> Leave them at Vegas. <laughs> Family friendly Vegas. What's your number five? My number five is uh, a town you just mentioned, and that's Honolulu, Hawaii. Um, here's the deal. If you do all of the other cities on our lists the right way, they're going to raise your blood pressure. Honolulu is the only city on our list that will actually lower your blood pressure. Um, I can give all of the reasons that, that you gave plus a hundred more, but I got to start with the best reason is it's attached to Hawaii. <laughs> Honolulu is part of the Hawaiian islands, which means if you get one Island, you get them all. Um, you can Island hop to any of the other islands and, and, and experience the culture uh, the Polynesian experience, not just the, the manufactured one at Waikiki, but, but once you get outside the city, you really get kind of the, the true Polynesian history. Um, as you said about uh, Honolulu, the military history, Pearl Harbor, uh, has got uh, you know a, a, a great presence uh, in the area. Tons of great beaches. Uh, as I mentioned, island hopping. Uh, there's Waikiki uh, Beach. There's Sunset Beach. You can go find the beach where Oceanic 815 went down as we're both fans of the Lost television series. Uh, the new Robin's Nest from Magnum P.I., the new Magnum P.I., is also uh, on uh, on Oahu. Uh, fun fact, I didn't know, the original Robin's Nest, the, the Tom Selleck Robin's Nest, has been torn down. It was torn down a couple of years ago. So only the, the new Robin's Nest uh, exists. Uh, so again, not to cover too many more tracks that you had already done, uh, Honolulu is an incredible town. Uh, it's the gateway to Hawaii, so you can get over to Lahaina. You can get over to Hanalei Bay. Um, you can visit some of the other areas uh, on the islands and just really have that great week-long take-me-away-from-it-all take me Calgon kind of vacation, and that's uh, in Honolulu, Hawaii. 
That's right. It's stirring. It's amazing. I'll be not in Honolulu, but uh, I'll be in Lahaina, the aforementioned Lahaina, uh, in a couple of days. And looking forward to it. A little Hawaii. Oh, puff, 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 puff. I've earned it. Number four. Okay. My number four is a city we're very familiar with, you and I, because I used to live there. You currently live in the area, and that is Los Angeles, California, the second largest city in the U.S. It's a sprawling metropolis uh, covering a ton of square miles, a very multi, uh, multicultural center uh, built around the great weather with agriculture and magic of the silver screen. And by Kirk's look, I can tell that this might be a similar pick for his number four. Is it, Kirk? It is, in fact, my number four as well. Great minds thinking alike here. <laughs> uh, I couldn't agree with you more. It is sprawling. It is. It it has. It is truly the first city on our list that I think has something for everyone. Truly, and because of its size, you can spend years and years and years there and still not see it all. There's so many little neighborhoods and nooks and crannies and peaks and valleys and wonderful things to explore that aren't on the tourist guides or the tourist maps, which makes this town even more fun than the usual Hollywood and the walk of fame and the Chinese and Egyptian theaters and so forth. I would agree. I mean, you can come to LA and have four or five different vacations. If you want to bring the kids into a theme park vacation, you can do that. If you want to take your significant other up the coast and have a romantic beachside vacation, you can do that. If you want to go and look at just world-class museums, concert halls, concert venues, whether it be the Disney concert hall or the Hollywood bowl, you can do that as well. Again, there's truly something for everybody here. Yeah. The amusement parks, as you mentioned, it doesn't, I mean, people know, oh yeah, amusement parks, but when you think about it, you could be at City Hall, downtown Los Angeles, and with an hour's drive in any direction, you could hit Disneyland, Knott's Berry Farm, Universal Studios Hollywood, or Magic Mountain, four major, major uh, theme parks. But there are some other smaller ones too, and great water parks and so forth. Uh, Tons of sports in this town, and there's like two of everything. There's baseball, Dodgers and Angels, basketball, Lakers and Clippers. Uh, hockey, Kings and Ducks, football, Rams and Chargers, college, USC, UCLA. You've got choice upon choice upon choice, along with great golf, fantastic sailing. And the thing I like the most about Los Angeles is you're also just a drive to almost any sort of climate that you want, whether it's desert or mountains and snow skiing, whitewater river rafting, the ocean, wonderful beaches, uh, farmland. It's all very close, very obtainable. I, I would agree. Again, you, you can have four or five different kinds of vacations in L.A. Uh, all at the same time. I mean, we both know people who have skied in the morning and surfed in the afternoon. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, absolutely. What if you had to say what are one or two of your favorite little small things to do in, L, in L.A.? Like when a uh, when somebody comes from out of town, they haven't seen it. Where do you like to take them? Oh, gosh, um, there is a place out in Malibu. Um, if you're a fan of the old Rockford Files television series, you'll know this place. Uh, it's called Paradise Cove. This is where where Jim used to park his mobile home in the Rockford Files. But it's actually a, a, a small little cove uh, near Malibu, Calibre, just north of Malibu, California. And it is just an idyllic little place. There's there's the Bob Morris Beachfront Cafe right there. So you can get a bite to eat or a couple of drinks, sit out on the beach in these oversized Adirondack chairs and just really enjoy that, the, the, the California of your mind. 
that little beach cove, the nice weather, have a drink in your hand. It, it's the best part of LA. Yeah. And people probably don't know that is maybe the most filmed beach in the world. Not only is it used for rock profiles and lots of other television shows, but tons of movies have been there. It's, it's part of the reason the film crews like it is there's a big natural windbreak there to start with, but it's also not as crowded as some of the others. So they have a little more control. It's easier for the county or the city to agree to close it down for a day's filming. Uh, I would take people uh, always when I lived there to uh, the Griffith Park Observatory uh, that was seen in a Rebel Without a Cause, uh, James Dean. But after a wind, a rain and a little bit of a wind, it is the most spectacular view of Los Angeles at night just to stand on the back of the observatory and look out amount, amongst the L.A. Uh, basin. Uh, I would always take people up to the uh, the Greystone Mansion up in the Hollywood Hills, too, which has been seen in a lot of films, such as... Uh, well, it's been in the West Wing quite often, but uh, also Crocodile Dundee, uh, Dark Shadows, a uh, lot of uh, Witches of Eastwick. A lot of movies have filmed up there as well. So those are two spots that I would like to, to take people, little hidden gems of L.A. And that's another thing, too, is that that L.A., it, it's still a lot of fun. We've been in the industry for however long, but I think you and I still get a kick when we see something in town that we recognize from a movie or a television series because it's been filmed there. Like the Brady Bunch house used to be right around the corner from Universal. And me. <laughs> or you go out to Malibu Creek State Park, and and that's where the MASH set was. Or even Point Doom, which is just around the corner from uh, the Paradise Cove uh, restaurant we were talking about. That's where the final scene of Planet of the Apes was filmed. Yeah. I think people, you know, if, if we still get kicks out of it after, you know, decades in the industry, people who come to town and see some of these things, it, it really is kind of special. And it's something that is really I'm not going to say it's unique to LA, but the quantity is unique to LA. Boy, we just gush and gush and gush about this. Why wasn't our number one? Why? Because I think we have three better cities. At least I think I do. And I would be very surprised if these three cities aren't the same three cities for you as well. So let's plow on and see what we have. Um, Might be a different order though. Number three. My number three is another town that Kirk and I are both very familiar with. Uh, I was born very near it, and that is San Francisco, California, perhaps in my mind, uh, the most beautiful city in uh, the United States. Kirk shaking his head, so I don't think it's ranked at the same spot here, so that's good. I'll talk about it a little bit. It's the city by the bay. Uh, It's the city featured in Journey's song, Lights, and that's why. If you've ever seen the city from atop uh, a hill across the bay or on one of the bridges and you look at the city, it is very worthy. It is a spectacular view from so many different angles. Uh, It's the 16th most populous city uh, in the United States, fourth in California, Uh, but it's the second most densely populated city. It doesn't have a big footprint. And so all those people are jammed together amongst the famous seven hills. Um, It's uh, the gateway for commerce and immigration to the new world via the West coast back in the day, founded in 1776 by colonists from Spain, the gold rush of 1849 spurred its growth and it survived the great quake of 1906, which almost destroyed it, but it stands in all its beauty. We know the golden gate. We know the Bay bridge, the cable cars, golden gate park. I won't talk about too much more. I'll leave something for Kirk to talk about, but it's a fantastic city. You got to see it sometime in your life. If you haven't yet, it is uh, number three, San Francisco. And yes, you're right. It will be a little bit higher on my list, but it is not number three. And and I will take an opportunity to gush about it in just a second. Who is your number three, though? My number three, I, I'm I'm also 
I'm also agreeing with you. I think uh, it'll be on all of our lists. My number three, this city has more history and more grandeur to it than any other city in America. It is our nation's capital. It is Washington, D.C. For a long time, it was considered, quote, just a government town. But there has been a recent explosion of restaurants, clubs, cafes that has made D.C. a very cosmopolitan town. Now, obviously, you know, the the attractions around town, 99% of them are going to orbit around U.S. history and and uh, the story of the United States, uh, the various monuments, uh, the national buildings that are there, the opportunity to see, you know, rare documents like the Declaration of Independence and the, the, the Bill of Rights and the, you know, all of these things. Um, there are the Smithsonian museums, you know, shame on me. Before I went to Washington a few years ago, I thought the Smithsonian was singular. I didn't realize that the Smithsonian was a series of museums and you can spend quite literally weeks going through these buildings, seeing everything from the Hope Diamond to the original Enterprise from Star Trek, uh, to Fonzie's jacket and and Archie Bunker's chair. You know, it, it really is the story of America and it is told all throughout the city. And it's a remarkable story and it's told remarkably well. Um, I truly enjoyed the time I spent in Washington, the history that you just absorb, um, the the legendary places like Old Ebbett Grill. Uh, the, these are places that, that you need to go to at least once. You need to see all of these. You know, the, the sense of awe and wonder I got standing at the base of the Washington Monument where I stood. I'd been wanting to go to Washington for, you know, all my life. And I only went a few years ago. So, you know, for 50 years, I'd wanted to go to Washington. And I literally stood at the bottom of the Washington Monument and put my hand out and just paused to take it all in before I, I put my hand on the monument to, to let me know I was really there and really seeing this and, and just, you know, and then down the mall, seeing the Lincoln Memorial. I mean, the, these are remarkable sites that really stir the, the, the Patriot and the American and all of us. And so uh, for that reason, uh, as I get off my soapbox, uh, I'm going to give Washington DC the number three spot on my list. Can't argue with the choice. Just argue with the spot. Number two. My number two is Washington, D.C. It's everything you said. It's um, also one of the most diverse cities in the United States. And a lot of that has to do with just all the damn embassies that are there. (laughs) There's people from all around the world walking the streets, traveling around, doing business in Washington. It's the closest thing to a grand European city also that you're going to find in the United States. And a lot of that has to do with the Greek and Roman architecture along with other influences from Europe that Washington was built with, with a lot of their big stately buildings. Um, yeah, it's, it's all the patriotic things, all those things that of history that you've heard about and seen time and time again in different news reports and movies and live coverage and uh, big events. But it's, it's also the beauty of the city, especially the cherry blossoms in spring around the tidal basin, uh, the fall colors in uh, rock Creek park, uh, it's the amazing murals and street art that, that you can find hidden all throughout the city. Uh, a lot of major sports there, as we talked about, a lot of culture, uh, theater, the Kennedy Center, um, the National Arboretum, uh, the National Museum of American History, which Kirk alluded to, uh, the uh, uh, D.C. Culture House, uh, the Air and Space Museum, which is my personal favorite. I Man, I could spend two days alone in that museum just by itself. But there is never a dull moment. If you are bored there, you just aren't 
trying. <laughs> There's so much to do. Go for a bike ride or a stroll along Embassy Road and just see all the different embassies there. Uh, go to the Naval Observatory, the area where the uh, vice president lives. Bethesda, the National Cathedral. So much to see and do. Uh, Supreme Court, Library of Congress, Ford's Theater. Uh, I love D.C. Uh, old Ebbets Grill, as you mentioned, one of my favorite steakhouses in the country. Uh, and what a great old-fashioned they serve also. Washington, D.C., my number two. Wait, they serve food? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Missed that. I got to go back now. <laughs> All right. Who is your number two? My number two is going to do two things. One, it's going to confirm that we have the same city at number one. Uh, and number two, I'm going to build on your recent uh, discussion of the city by the bay. And uh, my number two is San Francisco. Um, it's big, but it's not too big looking at you, Los Angeles. Um, San Francisco has always just had this really unique feel uh, about it, a really unique cult. I mean, it's had a turbulent history. I mean, everything from the gold rush to the 1906 earthquake to the summer of love has informed, informed its very diverse and, yes, very weird culture. I mean, San Francisco and the Bay Area, for the most part, is a bastion of liberalism, free thinking, progressiveness. I mean, come on. It's legal to be naked in San Francisco. That, that should tell you all you need to know about about the, uh, the, the unique culture that is there. But for my money, it's also the remote, most romantic city in the United States. There are views from days, whether you're in Bernal Heights, uh, Twin Peaks, Sutro Tower, uh, you're going to get just a beautiful view of one of the most picturesque parts of the United States. Uh, San Francisco's got your typical tourist traps, but they've also got some really unique things to see and do and visit. Alcatraz, uh, Lombard Street, uh, Fisherman's Wharf, Golden Gate Park, which I didn't know until we started doing research, is actually 20% bigger than Central Park. Uh, there's the Golden Gate Bridge, obviously, Muir Woods. Uh, the city has more three-star Michelin restaurants than any other city in the United States. Uh, and just some of the, the noted ones, noted restaurants, not necessarily three-star restaurants that come to mind, you know, include the Tonga Room, the Restaurant Hurricane Bar, the Top of the Mark, the Buena Vista, um, you know, romantic little places like the Cliff House, the Ferry Building, which collects you know, dozens of independent little food and wine uh, manufacturers under one roof right down on the Embarcadero. Uh, Belden Place, uh, which is this just little snug alleyway where these little tiny restaurants are built in. And I want to give a shout out to the restaurant Toy Soldier, my good friend Johnny Love, Johnny Love Matheny, who's been a, an impresario in, in San Francisco opening bars, uh, also including the Blue Light. Uh that's one of his places right now as well. But one of the things that really, to me, is very attractive about San Francisco, and it's hard to find other places, and that is the geographic diversity, the incredible day trips you can take from San Francisco. If you're into wine, Napa and Sonoma are an hour away. Beer, you've got the Anchor Steam Brewery right in town. You've got Russian River Brewing uh, just up the way. And then hundreds of craft breweries all throughout the region. Uh, if you're looking for culture, You've got San Francisco. You've got Oakland. If you're looking for counterculture, you've got Berkeley. Uh, beaches. There's Half Moon Bay. There's Stinson Beach. There's Point Reyes. The quaint towns of Sausalito, Tiburon. You know, if you really want to stretch it, Carmel is a day's drive away. Uh, it's just an incredibly diverse area in terms of, of, of geography and in terms of the, the culture that's in the, the area as well. The quirky events that are, that are synonymous with, 
with the Bay Area in San Francisco, Beta Breakers, uh, Gay Pride Week, Fleet Week, Outside Lands Festival, the Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival. These are all, you know, points of pride for anybody who lives in the Bay Area and especially San Francisco. Uh, it is my hometown. Uh, I will argue it's got the best ballpark in the majors uh, with Oracle Park, um, home of your three-time World Series winning San Francisco Giants. Hard not to put it at number one, but it's very deserving at being number two. Let me rephrase that. It's very deserving at being listed number two. It's great. Uh, we didn't even talk about the wonderful neighborhoods uh, in San Francisco. Uh, Knob Hill, Russian Hill, Sunset Beach, North Beach, yeah. Chinatown. I love Union Square. Yeah, Let's uh, have a moment of silence for Lefty O'Doul's. Oh, uh, yes. Rough. rough. <laughs> yeah, we're only scratching the surface and we're leaving out so much. But but I, I think people can get the idea that that we love our hometown and, and it's, it's a really special place. And if people have, haven't been there, you're looking for a great cocktail experience. Uh, as Kirk mentioned before, the top of the mark on the Mark Hopkins Hotel is an amazing view of the city day or night. Uh, and when the fog rolls in at night, you can sometimes hear it like a satin curtain going past the windows. It's, it's intense. It's insane. <laughs> Love that town. All right. So let's do a quick recap um, from 10 to two. Uh, my 10 was Charleston, Charleston, South Carolina, followed by Las Vegas at nine. Number eight was Chicago. Number seven, Boston, Honolulu at six, New Orleans at five. Number four was Los Angeles. Number three was San Francisco. Number two, Washington, D.C. Kirk, what were yours? Uh, number 10 was not Chicago. It was New Orleans. <laughs> number nine was not Chicago. It was San Diego. Number eight was, I won't beat the dead horse. Uh, number eight was Charleston, South Carolina. Um, number seven, uh, Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. Las Vegas, Nevada. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And Vegas stays at number six. Number five, Honolulu, Hawaii. Number four, Los Angeles, California. Washington, D.C. was my number three. Uh, the City by the Bay. Uh, Baghdad by the Bay is Herb Kane. Oh, moment of silence for Herb Kane. Used to call it. Uh, San Francisco was number two, which brings us to number one. And I have a feeling we've got the same city. Wouldn't it be weird if we didn't? That would be a very interesting omission for one of us. Yes. Number one. It is the Big Apple. Start spreading the news. It is New York City, the city that never sleeps. And really, why wouldn't it be? It is uh, outside of arguably Washington, D.C., the most recognizable city from the United States as far as a world perspective is concerned. It's the largest city, over eight and a half million people, five boroughs of distinctly different feels, but all unmistakably very New York. Uh New York's history uh, from the financial realm, the political realm, sports, entertainment, art worlds, all collide in this confluence of energy and culture that we kind of find nowhere else. It literally has its own pulse, its own electricity, and it is palpable and you can feel it, especially when you're walking the streets of Manhattan. Central Park, the Upper East and West Sides, Harlem, Soho, Greenwich, Wall Street, the Meatpacking District, the Battery, Washington Square, Herald Square. It's all amazing places to walk through. And it is very walkable, even as large it is as it is, especially in Manhattan. Uh, the way it's laid out, it, it's easy to walk. And it's probably recommended to do it that way. It's a lot of fun. Big icons like the Statue of Liberty, Ellis Island, Coney Island, Empire State Building, and so forth. Um, the 9-11 Memorial is a must-see. Uh, they did it well, and they did it right. Um, and now with the new Freedom Tower overlooking it. 
Uh, and then myself being a theater major, Broadway is, uh, as for a lot of people, just reason alone to go to New York. Uh, Broadway and London, those are kind of the theater meccas of the world. And so why wouldn't you go? Uh, I love it. I'm going to leave a little something for Kirk to talk about, uh, even though there is so much that you can talk about. It is um, an amazing city, as uh, Georgia O'Keeffe said. Um, one can't paint New York as it is, but rather as it is felt. And I think that's very apt because as much of those wonderful things to see and do and everything, there is a vibe, a presence that New York has. And it it kind of gets into your soul when you go there. New York City. And as you all might suspect, yes, New York City is my number one as well. Steve has mentioned so many things, so I'll just stop. Now, uh, New York City to me is the city that goes to 11. Uh, every city has theater. New York says, really? We have Broadway. You know, every city has sports. You mentioned it with L.A., but, you know, <laughs> New York can say, oh, yeah, we got two of each team as well. And legendary venues like Madison Square Garden, Yankee Stadium, Flushing Meadows. Um, when it comes to dining, New York has more Michelin starred restaurants than any other city. 76. You want museums? We got MoMA. We got the Metropolitan. Everything goes to 11. New York City is just that big, vibrant. You want it. We got it kind of city. Um but it's also a city of what I call bucket list items. And this was part of my trip about five years ago when I went to New York for the very first time. Yes, don't at me. I hadn't been to New York until I was in my mid-50s. But it was amazing. And there's so many things that I, I wanted to do. We got to go to the top of the Empire State Building. I want to see the Statue of Liberty. I want to go to Central Park. I want to go to Strawberry Fields. I want to see the zoo. I want to see Belvedere Castle. I want to go to Tavern on the Green. I want to go on the High Line. I don't think there is another city like like this that has as many quote unquote bucket list things to do that New York has. And you mentioned a bunch of them as well, you know, going to a, going to a play on Broadway, uh, you know, dining in certain, in certain locations. Uh, and then as we talked about in San Francisco as well, the day trips, I mean, you can be in the Hamptons in a couple of hours. You can be in Atlantic city in a couple of hours. You can be in sleepy hollow. You can be in five other States in, in a couple of hours as well. But why would you want to leave New York when it's got, all of that right there on an island. It, it, it's an amazing town. I, I'm running out of words. I know you you talked about it a lot. I'm trying to, to come up with some other things as well. But yeah, how could New York City not be uh, the best city to visit in the United States? Absolutely. And on your sports point, are you sure they really have two of each sport? I think you can make the argument they have like one and a half of each sport. Wow. Sorry, little jab at New York. Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, that about does it for the first half for us. Uh, we're going to take a little break, and then we will come back with our second half. We're going to do a couple little things different. There is no guest this week, but uh, we will on our next show. And so hang with us. We'll see you in a few. Goodbye. Okay, show of hands. Do you stick around for the credits at the end of a movie or a TV show? You might, but most folks don't. And even then, you might not be familiar with half the jobs on there. My name is Bruce Rand Berman. When I came out to L.A. a while back, I found there was a lot more to this industry than I realized. With the help of some great friends and mentors along the way, I've been able to chart my course to where I am today, an experienced television producer doing a podcast about all the different jobs there are in Hollywood and how to get them. So check out Call Time on your favorite podcast platform. 
You'll hear all about the industry straight from the mouths of the real people who work hard every day and night in the trenches on set and in the office. Yeah, this is my podcast, but it's your call time. Don't be late. Hello. Wait, what? You haven't heard the new podcast, Mojo Girl Madness? Good news. Season one is now available for binging. Mojo Girl Madness is a mad pod with interviews, rants, and stories about sex, relationships, family, divorce, politics, showbiz, and mostly your mojo. Find Mojo Girl Madness wherever you get your pods or at mojogirlmadness.com. And now, back to the main event. Love you madly. Okay, and we are back for the second half. As I mentioned, we have no guest list this week. Uh, we should on the next show, though. But um, let's revisit um, a little bit on our unlisted part two. We already mentioned the, the things that weren't going to be on our list. Now there are maybe some other missions that we did not have. Uh, were there any others that came close to be on your list that didn't quite make it? Yeah, there were a number. Um, and, and, you know, all great cities, uh, you know, Seattle is a great town. Portland is a great town. Uh, San Antonio, Texas is a great town. Key West is a great town. Uh, there, all of which are, are terrific places to visit. I'd go to any one of them in a heartbeat, but did they offer everything that I thought the ones on my top 10 did? No, that's why they, they remain unlisted. You? Yeah, Seattle and Portland are both on the list. Uh, obviously, Portland, since I live very close to it, uh, near and dear to the heart. And Seattle is a great city to visit, no doubt. But um, they're both going through little funky times right now with um, after effect of the past couple of years. Uh, so it's it's tough to recommend them as great places. But I, I hope within a couple of years that I will be able to say that again. But also uh, Anchorage, Alaska and Louisville, Kentucky uh, were also on my list. And I, I'm very curious about San Juan, Puerto Rico, even though it's not United States proper, it is a territory. And, uh, I hear it's a fabulous, uh, vacation spot. So all good things. So many great cities to see and visit, uh, around this country. Hopefully each and every one of us will get more time to travel. And it's interesting that we, we stayed pretty close to urban centers. Obviously there's more to do in the urban centers. It might be fun to do a list of, you know, top 10 cities to visit under 500,000 people or under 200,000 people because to your point, I think there are the cities like Anchorage or Missoula, Montana, um, or, you know, Ann Arbor, Michigan, you know, great college towns, you know, that could be Athens, Georgia, Salem, Massachusetts. Yeah. You know, getting up into new England, you know, up into Maine, Portland, Maine, you know, some really great towns up there as well. So, you know, again, these aren't bad towns. They just, to me, they just have as much to offer as what made, Mine, and I'm assuming your top 10 list. Blindside. And that means blindside, a blindside round, which we've not done in a long time. I have a blindside for you, Kirk Trudner. Uh-oh. Uh, we can both do this, though. Name. Well, I didn't have one for you, so I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> um, looking at our top 10 list, name the top three cities. Uh, if you did have to actually live there in the city itself, in the city limits, for at least five years. And that's taking into consideration all the cities 
weather, traffic, crime, pollution, cost of living, all those other things that a normal tourist who's just going there to visit wouldn't have to consider. But it's a whole different ball game when you've got to live there. So give me your top three from your top 10 that you would actually live in. Are are we gonna are we gonna make the assumption because you're gonna answer this too even though you've already you've already studied it and you have your answers are we gonna make the assumption that that we can't say San Francisco because we've already lived there? Um, I've never lived in the city proper of San Francisco, um, but it is a really expensive city to live in, so that would be a a big knock on it. It's a really. I, I know it's the only other place I want to live in the United States right now is the only place that's more expensive than the place that I live in right now. Uh, that New York, uh, you know, obviously San Francisco is going to be on that list. Yeah, I'm familiar with it. I've got family up there. I enjoy the city. I, you know, I went on for four and a half minutes about it. So I truly enjoy San Francisco. Um, I could very easily, you know, and I already live in Los Angeles. So I'm going to take that off the list. Uh, I could very easily live in Nashville. Uh, I really enjoy Nashville. I've got friends out there. Uh, I do enjoy live music. Uh, I do enjoy country music, uh, not today's country, which is essentially yesterday's pop music, but I, I really enjoy good singer songwriters and understanding their process, et cetera. So Nashville could be one. Um, I truly think I could live in Charleston, South Carolina. I just, just thought it was such a charming little town. The people were incredibly friendly. Uh, it, it has all of the, the attributes and hallmarks of a big, big city town without being a big, big city town. Uh, so I could live in Charleston and then, you know, I'm, I'm just going through it. I, a process of elimination to me, New York is way too big. I don't know that I could live there. Obviously San Francisco. I love, um, maybe DC, although the summers apparently are just brutal back there. Um, Honolulu would be awesome. Again, cost of living and distance from family Vegas. I couldn't do Vegas, Nashville, Charleston, maybe San Diego, not New Orleans. Um, I'd probably go off the list um, and and go, you know, Boston or, or Orlando um, if we were going to fill out that, you know, with the three. But if it's just the three off my list, I'd say Charleston, Nashville and San Francisco. Yeah. And it is just off your list because otherwise that'd be cheating again. <laughs> um, it's thinking outside the box. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I. I think San Francisco, just because I love it so much that I, but it is tougher to travel in, uh, as well. It's not the easiest town to travel in, but, uh, what an amazing town. Um, so I think I'd have to say Honolulu, even though, like you said, they're distance from loved ones or whatever, and it is not cheap, but, uh, you can live there cheaply. I know this for a fact, uh, there are ways to do it. Uh, and then Charleston, I think also, however, the, the humidity would bum me out, uh, in Honolulu, if I'm going to deal with humidity, at least I'm dealing with it in Hawaii. With a Mai Tai. There's trade winds and so forth. But yeah, I think Charleston is uh, very easily livable. And then I guess it's it's almost a tie between Chicago and San Francisco. I think San Francisco's weathers are, weather is better, so I would go with San Fran. Yeah. However, if if San Diego from your list was on my list, I would take that because San Diego is a amazingly great town to live in, I think. It is. All right. Very good. Nice job. Well, that brings us to our next segment, which is the populist, the populist. Uh, and we had a, a wide range of thoughts here on the populist. We had some ties, but not as many as the last uh, week or two. 
Tied, though, for number 10 was the aforementioned San Diego and Miami, Florida. Uh, so two very sunny, uh, warm weather locations. Number nine was Seattle and Memphis. Number eight was Charleston all by itself. Las Vegas all by itself at seven. Number six was Chicago. Number five, Los Angeles. Number four, Honolulu. Number three, a tie between Boston and New Orleans. Number two, San Francisco. And number one, like everybody else, a tie between Washington, D.C. and the Big Apple, New York City. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, both our lists and the listeners' lists had a lot of similarities there, a lot of uh, common ways of thinking, because those are just great towns. It's tough to deny that. So let's go to a new segment. Um, and this uh, this was brought up in some conversation that uh, Kirk and I have had with uh, different listeners, and Kirk pitched this, and it's going to be called On Second Thought. And that's where Kirk and I... Uh, go back to uh, lists from prior episodes and we might've had a little different way of thinking on a couple of the entries or maybe a lot of the entries or whatever. And this will just give us a little chance to say what our new thinking is. Kirk, what is the uh, list that you would talk about first and the change that you would make on that? Well, it, it's funny. And if you'll allow me, you know, every time we do this or not every time, but several times we've done this, we, we will say, if you caught me on another day, the list may change. Well, <laughs> this is that other day. Yeah. The the lists are going to change a little bit, and I want to give a shout out uh, to my to my Yukon Jack friends who uh, have been great listeners of the show, and and one of them suggested this idea. You and I talked a little bit about it, and and uh, we thought it was a good idea. So I'm I'm glad we're incorporating it. I know that they are anxious for me to make one specific change. Uh, I'm going to disappoint them and not make it, but I at least wanted to give them the shout out to say the idea is here. Uh, thanks for the input and we appreciate you listening. Uh, my first change, uh, we're going to go all the way back, all the way back to episode number four, our classic cocktail show. Uh, I put the tequila sunrise on, on the list at number eight. And at the time I thought it was a great choice because I love the history with the Rolling Stones and Bill Graham. And it was, it was a, a, a drink that was really kind of popularized in San Francisco and, and the legacy grew out of that. The Eagles recorded a song called tequila sunrise. Uh, but after listening to our guests that week and just doing some additional research, I'm going to take the tequila sunrise off and I'm going to put the daiquiri in. Um, I'm not ashamed to admit that, I did not have, I always thought the daiquiri was a fairly lightweight, fruity drink that you get, you know, in mass quantities in Vegas or Key West or, you know, in trick the tourist kind of, uh, you can drink on the beach kind of places. But the daiquiri really does have a long and storied history. It is a, a true classic cocktail in every sense of the word. And when you look at some of the new information I've got versus what I had on the tequila sunrise, uh, it just made sense to go, you know what? The daiquiri does belong on this list. And as we always say, if you're going to put something on, what do you take off? Well, I'm going to take off the tequila sunrise. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. <clears throat> I get, I get what you're at with that. And, um, yeah, uh, I was kind of convinced <laughs> by our guest also, uh, on the daiquiri and um, I didn't do enough to change it, but since I'm about to take off for the islands, uh, I'm hoping that I will find that great daiquiri, but I too um, have some changes on that classic cocktails for my list as well. And it's a little more uh, strategic surgery here than yours was. Yours was an easy cut and paste. Um, I had originally the bloody Mary as my number 10. 
just thinking that it was just, you know, basic drink that whatever. But then I really thought about, you know, it's a great drink and it's so versatile and it does so much and it is so good and it can be made so many different ways that it deserves to be way higher on my list. So I moved it from 10 to five. Uh, I moved the Sazerac, which used to be number five, down to number six. And then I got rid of the old number six altogether. The espresso martini got rid of it, which I love. But yeah, it's kind of a little bit of a fudge. <laughs> no play on words. Because um, it is, I guess, a type of martini. And it's not the classic martini. So it doesn't really belong to this list. My new number 10 is another drink like the daiquiri that I was convinced to give another shot. And that is the Mai Tai. And I will guarantee you... One of the first restaurants I go to in Hawaii this week, I will be ordering Mai Tai because that's what you do. That's what I do. And I keep hoping for the perfect one. So <laughs> the Mai Tai is number 10. The Bloody Mary goes up to number five. And the Espresso Martini is off altogether. That is my cocktail list. What's your other list that you want to uh, give a little second thought about? Well, I just want to give you a shout out. I think that's a that's a, a good choice. Uh, you know, again, we talked a lot about the Mai Tai on the show and just the, 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 um, tiki bar culture, you know, that grew up in LA in the fifties and sixties and seventies and in just the, the, the place the Mai Tai has had, I just think it, it's smart. And yes, the Bloody Mary to me is just, is almost one of those Mount Rushmore cocktails yeah. as well. Uh, my second one, um, we're going to go way back to last week, uh, episode 12, the women of rock. Wait, I'm getting my notes out. I can't remember that far. I'm going to do a little bit of rearranging as well. Um, taking out somebody, moving some pieces around and and uh, um, coming up with a new list. Uh, I'm going to be re removing Melissa Etheridge, um, even though she is the only person on the list that does have an Oscar. Uh, the body of work is good. It's pretty good. It's very good, but it's just not great it doesn't have that signature high moment like grace slick did with somebody to love and white rabbit it doesn't have the longevity of a linda ronstadt um so i'm gonna take melissa etheridge out i'm gonna bump joan jet down one to number eight and i am going to plug in Joni mitchell at number seven um Almost as soon as we finished the show, I started kicking myself going, damn it, I should have put Joni Mitchell in. You know, our guest mentioned Joni, made a made a very good case to having Joni in there. Is Joni a rocker? No. But she was such a part of the rock fabric back in the 60s and 70s and was part of a scene that really ever, a lot of things have flowed from uh, as well. That California scene, that Laurel Canyon scene. She's got an incredible legacy as a songwriter. She is critically acclaimed as one of the best songwriters of her generation, if not rock in general. Uh, same thing with her as a performer. She still demands great attention when uh, her name is discussed and great consideration. So I knew it was a shame almost as immediately when I did it not to put Joni Mitchell on the list. So we're going to put Joni on at number seven. Again, she's not a rocker, so I can't put her too high. Uh but I've got to get her in there. And I think number seven is the right spot. Sorry, Melissa. Um, who knows? Maybe the next time we do this, I'll change my mind again. But for now, Joni Mitchell is now number seven. I get it. Uh, sad to see Melissa go because I love me some Melissa, but I get it. And don't worry about the rock thing because it's just about rock. And as we talked about, that was one of the tough things about it because rock is so widespread and all encompassing and a lot of different definitions. So she's definitely a woman of rock. No doubt about it so no apologies necessary she belongs there i, I get it um 
my other uh, list I'm going to talk about is now really way back uh, to episode two, the greatest rock bands. We just talked about the women of rock. I'm going to talk about the greatest rock bands and uh, did a little stuff here. And for those Yukon Jack friends of Kirk and so people are clear, that's the name of a golf tournament that he plays. He doesn't work at Yukon Jack or have friends there or <laughs> meets guys and drinks a bunch of Yukon Jack every night, even though that might be uh, a little more of a mystique. Anyway, <laughs> um, I would change the ones that he, the Yukon Jack guys want Kirk to change, but he'll get mad at me. So anyway, I'll just stick to my own side of the list. And uh, it is the Doobie Brothers. I just can't leave them off. And uh, yes, our guest, uh, D. Vincent Williams, helped <laughs> convince me of that because he perfectly articulated most of the things I was thinking about. And so AD, ACDC, sorry, you're off my list. Journey moves down from 9 to 10. Pink Floyd moves down from 8 to 9. And the Doobie Brothers are now my new number eight, right in between U2 and Pink Floyd. And the basic reason is they're Pink Floyd. Yeah, they they were trendsetters in a lot of things. But dang it, the Doobie Brothers, to me, have those songs that go on and on. They reach a little bit wider uh, audience. And they're just great rock songs that you know, you love, you sing all the time. And there's a reason they're finally getting to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So the Doobie Brothers now my new number eight and ACDC is number 11, I guess. Sorry, boys. Uh, it's a great call. Uh, you know, I had a tough time leaving the Doobie Brothers off, too. I mean, that is the hardest part is is more often than not with the subjects we're choosing. We've got an embarrassment of riches and it, you just got to find there are a few that are obvious choices like New York City. Obviously, we had on there San Francisco, et cetera. But when you get down to that, that seven through ten slot that's where it gets a little bit slippery and it, it's fun to try and find those legitimizing reasons for having you know certain certain choices in certain spots on the list yeah and to again to the yukon jack guys and not that we're trying to make this become their show but i would offend kirk uh steely dan may have been in the wrong spot but i think it deserved to be on the list it's another band of his that i had the problem with but we'll leave that for another day <laughs> all right well, that pretty much does it for this show. Uh, it was a, it was definitely fun, a little different. Uh, next time, we'll be discussing the best songs from Disney Pixar animated feature films. So both Disney animated and Pixar animated, since they're under the same umbrella, they are fair game, and we will be discussing those. Uh, you can vote on that the poll for that episode uh, on our listeners' poll, and uh, same for all the other upcoming topics that we have for v- future shows. And that's by visiting us on our website at populistpodcast.net. You can find Populist on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or wherever you go to get your podcasts. And wherever you do go, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you'll be up to date on all the great stuff coming your way. We are a member of the Buzzsprout community and Populist is a vintage year production. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash populist podcast and Twitter at populist underscore pod and Instagram as populist pod. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, uh, and for being part of our growing community here on Populist. Uh, we appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, so keep listening. We'll keep doing uh, some fun shows for you. And until next time, be safe. Aloha. Aloha.